Thursday, September the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Purdue's controversial bankruptcy and America's Taliban dilemma. First, the world in brief. A federal judge in New York approved Purdue Pharma's bankruptcy plan, resolving a blizzard of lawsuits against the maker of OxyContin, an addictive painkiller. Members of the Sackler family, who own Purdue, will pay $4.5 billion to plaintiffs and relinquish control of the firm. Controversially, the deal insulates the Sacklers from future litigation related to America's opioid epidemic. Several states are expected to appeal. The Pentagon's top general said it was, quote, possible that America might in future coordinate counter-terrorism operations with the Taliban, but that it was too early to know whether the insurgents had, quote, changed. Despite the Taliban's victory in Afghanistan and America's humiliating withdrawal, the two sides have a common interest in fighting Islamic State in the region. Meanwhile, Taliban fighters in the city of Kandahar paraded military equipment captured in the wake of America's hasty departure. India tightened security across Kashmir, including shutting down the internet, following the death of Saeed Ali Shah Gilani, a prominent campaigner for the territory's secession. The 91-year-old had been under house arrest for much of the past decade. He had been suffering ill health. Apple said that companies that do not offer in-app purchases, including Netflix and Spotify, would, from 2022, be allowed to link their own payment systems from its app store. Currently, all users must pay for apps via Apple's own system, with a tech giant taking a healthy cut. That model has come under scrutiny from courts and regulators across the world. The concession was made to end an antitrust investigation in Japan, but will apply globally. Taiwan at last received 10 million doses of BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines after a previous order was cancelled, a circumstance Taiwan blames China for. In July, two Taiwanese firms, Foxconn and TSMC, negotiated a new $350 million deal on behalf of the government. Elsewhere, North Korea again rejected an offer of vaccines, this time 3 million Sinovac doses via COVAX, saying they should go to countries that need them more. Up to 14% of children aged 11 to 17 years old who get COVID-19 may have three or more symptoms linked to the infection 15 weeks later according to a study of nearly 7,000 children in England. The study was published by University College London and Public Health England. The most common symptoms were headache and unusual tiredness, but infection did not cause worse mental health or overall well-being. Joe Biden's plan to reopen the de facto American consulate for Palestinians in Jerusalem was criticised by Israel. The consulate was closed by Donald Trump's administration in 2019, when it moved America's embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Israel's foreign minister said that such a move could destabilise the government of Naftali Bennett. Mr Biden's office insists it will go ahead. And fact of the day, 50%, the proportion of the world's refugees who come from Arab countries. And now here's today's agenda. A landmark ruling. Indigenous rights in Brazil. Today, Brazil's Supreme Court will resume its consideration of a case that will have repercussions for indigenous groups, 
farmers and others who contest ownership of the same lands. Up for debate is the controversial Marco Temporal or quote time frame thesis which has been used to grant property rights to non-indigenous Brazilians. It dictates that indigenous territories are only guaranteed if they were occupied in 1988 when the constitution was ratified. Indigenous groups consider this idea an affront. They have lived in South America for centuries. Thousands of people from more than 170 tribes have been camping out in Brasilia, the capital, as they await the verdict. A ruling in favour of a 1988 cut-off date could lead to a rollback of indigenous rights throughout Brazil. But farmers fear the opposite ruling, which could lead to their eviction from land they have lived on for decades. Emergency move. Poland's eastern border. Poland is set to declare a state of emergency along its border with Belarus after hundreds of illegal migrants, some from Afghanistan, crossed into its territory in August. Lithuania and Latvia took similar steps in July. Mateusz Morawiecki, Poland's prime minister, blames Belarus. The authorities there are pushing migrants into Poland to, quote, destabilize it, he says. The right-wing law and justice PIS government led by Mr Morawiecki has asked Andrzej Duda, the president, to declare a state of emergency for 30 days in 183 eastern localities. That would allow the authorities to restrict movement in border areas. Mr Duda, who came up through the ranks of the PIS, is expected to approve the request today. Opposition parties and NGOs have objected. But the government is determined to curb the border crossings even if it means leaving migrants out in the cold. Content be damned. China's new live streaming rules. China's video influencers are about to face a swathe of restrictions on what they may and may not share in the booming live stream industry if the Ministry of Commerce has anything to say about it. Today marks the end of a two-week consultation period on new industry standards. They include guidelines that streamers should speak Mandarin rather than local dialects, not dress in a way that, quote, violates social public order and not market certain goods, such as pornographic content. The new rules also say that vloggers should be aged 16 or over. As with the recent rules on video games, which restrict children to one hour a day of gaming, and only on the weekends and public holidays, the live streaming guidelines have two motivations. They combine an attempt to closely regulate a fast-growing part of the digital economy with a more old-school effort to ensure standards more in keeping with the Communist Party's view of moral rectitude, especially for children. Too slow. The public health crisis of dementia. More than 50 million people live with dementia, and the number is rising fast. In 2017, the World Health Organization released a, quote, global action plan for tackling the public health problem, setting various targets such as doubling global research output between 2017 and 2025 to help combat the disease. A follow-up report released by the WHO today will show that progress has been slow. There was euphoria in some quarters when America's Food and Drug Administration, prematurely in the economists' view, approved a new drug to treat Alzheimer's in June. But in general, dementia research has been starved of funding compared with cancer or coronary heart disease. 
The COVID-19 pandemic made matters worse as healthcare systems struggled to cope. This week, scientists warned that the neurological effects of quote, long COVID may hasten the onset of dementia in some patients. Many more people will suffer before a cure is found. Precious Materials The Nature of Middle-Earth Middle-Earth, the mythical continent in which J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings unfolds, began as the fantastic imaginings of an Oxford scholar and ended up as the cinematic backdrop to a film franchise worth billions of dollars. This week, fans will learn more about the land of hobbits, elves and orcs as HarperCollins, a publisher, releases The Nature of Middle-Earth, a book of essays written by Tolkien but not published in his lifetime. Ringers, as diehard Tolkien readers are known, have enjoyed a steady drip of posthumous work since his death in 1973. The most recent was The Fall of Gondolin, an elaboration of a story from the Silmarillion. But the nature of Middle-earth is more prosaic, full of details about the everyday workings of the fictional land, from language to timekeeping and geography and beards. This new release may pass Tolkien's casual readers by, but for the obsessive, it will undoubtedly be, quote, precious. Summer Quiz Week 7 Fancy another chance to trounce the baristas in the summer quiz? For Week 7, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Thursday. What word links an ice cream, a type of gun and a bottle of champagne? Finally, here's the quote of the day from J.R.R. Tolkien, who died on this day in 1973. Nearly all marriages, even happy ones, are mistakes. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.